The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Revelation, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're going to get across two identities for us. One is that we are a sinner, and two, that we are not normal. Those are the two points we're going to get to. The first one is the fact that we are sinners. Today, this last week, I got into a discussion on Facebook, which, by the way, Facebook debates are very unhelpful. But every, once every 2,000 debates, it might be productive, but normally they're not. But anyway, somebody, the topic came up where this girl was talking about how she came to church wearing shorts and she got, and people got mad at her for it. And so we got, the discussion came up, do we need to dress up for church? The key word is need to. Now, if somebody wants to dress up for church, that's, that's fine. But here's the thing, the, the, thing, the explanation that was given is, well, you got to put on your Sunday's best. you got to look your best for worship. Well, actually, if you were to research into history, nobody actually dressed up for church until the late 1800s. Why? Because most people only had two sets of clothing. They had a clothing that they wore to work, and they had clothing that they wore for everything else. The clothing they wore for everything else was what they would wear to church. And the reason is because the other one tended to be covered in manure. So I guess they dressed up in that they did not wear stinky clothing. But ultimately, dressing up for church did not happen until the Industrial Revolution. Because it was in the Industrial Revolution that the common person for the first time in the history of the world became able to dress up for church. And so they couldn't dress up for work because they were in the factories. And so they, would, they decided, well, let's go Sunday. We're not, at, we're not working, so this is the day that we don't work, so let's dress up on that day. What started out as kind of a nice thing they were able to do, which actually the theologians of the time cautioned against, because it would create a class system in the church, which they're trying to avoid, but what started out as just a nice thing to do turned into a rule for many. You must dress your Sunday best. But here's the thing, it carries with it a very false understanding about ourselves and about God. Your best isn't good. We are coming with the idea that our best for one, we think it has something to do with what we wear. God does not care one bit what you're wearing. He created us naked. You forget that? And when we were, and afterwards, he, he skinned, skinned some animals for our first clothing. He doesn't care about what your dress does. Look at John the Baptist. Camel hair, leather belt, which now, like, hey, that sounds nice now, but... Wasn't so good then. Eating locusts and honey. Locusts and honey smoothie. Sound delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's, he doesn't really care. 
He cares about, but if we were to decide, well, what he cares about is on the inside. We got to bring the best person that I am. And the person that we are is filthy and vile before God. If we were to bring the very best we have of ourselves before God, it still wouldn't be worthy to be in his presence. Because we are nowhere close to what he demands. If we think we could bring our best for him, we either think, hey, we're not that bad, or God's not that righteous. We think either we can approach him or he's approachable based on our works. Think about those Ten Commandments. Ninth and Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet. That means if you've ever been incon- never been, ever been not content with your life, all you have to do is look at something and say, ooh, I like that. Oh, I'd like to have that car or that house. Or that tractor, or those, those shoes, or that purse, or um, whatever it might be. That fishing boat. Whatever it might be, we look at it, that is coveting. Or bear false, you shall not bear false witness. We love to gossip. We love to talk about ourselves we talk about others, we want to talk about celebrities, we want to talk about politicians. We love to gossip about anything and everything. The juicier it is, the more we want to get in on it. You shall not steal. You ever taken a bank pen? You shall not commit adultery. You ever look at a guy or gal and just go, ooh, they're kind of cute. That is adultery with them in your heart. You shall not murder. If you've ever said to somebody, you fool or you idiot, ever hated somebody, ever been able to help somebody in need, but you did not, that's the fifth, that is murder in your heart. Honor your father and your mother. I know we've disobeyed our parents. There's a reason why parents end up with gray hair as you get older. Third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is not just that we go to church, it's that we honor preaching in his word. We hold it sacred, we hold it gladly. Shall not misuse the Lord's name, shall not use the Lord's name in vain. You ever say things like OMG? Ever text that? For those who are texting. Or say, oh geez, or oh gosh. If you ever say, darn you, which is just a soft way of saying the other word. Shall have another God before me, I guarantee it. Every single one of those sins you commit, that all stems from a false God. Every single time. And more often than not, it's coming from our favorite God in the world. Me, myself, and I. We are not righteous enough. Our righteousness, our best, is not worthy to stand before God. And see, when we have this mentality that we come to church, we have to bring our best to church, we actually get the entire purpose of why we come to services in the first place. 
See, well, the reality is we come actually as we are. That's how we're supposed to come because God can see through what you think is your best and he can see right through to your worst. So we come exactly as we are. Come before the throne of grace. Which, by the way, if you just want to dress up, that's fine. It's not an issue. You can't, it's not that you can't dress up. But when you make it a rule, a law, that's not a biblical law. But anyways, when you come to the throne of grace, which that's what the altar represents, is the throne of grace. You come before our Lord. He said, you come in your sinfulness, in your wretchedness, almost like you're covered in maggots before him. And, he's, and you expect him Realistically, what we should expect is for him to say, Depart from me, you filthy one. Go into the fires of hell, because that's what we deserve. But instead he says, Hello, my child. Welcome to the feast. See, when you come here, right away the first words you hear after the hymn is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Or today we started with the ancient version of that. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because when you were baptized, you were clothed with the righteousness of Christ. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, you received the only robe that you will ever need. The robe of white made clean in the blood of the Lamb. And so you come here before God as members of His kingdom, as His dearly beloved children. And He has grace and goodness beyond your wildest measure waiting for you. See, we come here not bringing our best. No, we come bringing our worst, giving it to God, and He in exchange giving you his best. That's the whole reason you come. Not to give your best, but to receive his best. So that when you stand before the throne of grace, all he sees is his son. He just sees you clothed in Jesus. And you are welcomed into eternity. I mean, that's what we long for. I mean, that's what All Saints Day is ultimately all about, that we are welcomed into his presence, that we are brought in, we are guaranteed a place in eternity because we receive that robe of righteousness in baptism. Listen to what it says in that, te that text. Who are these clothed in white robes? And who, from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice it says, coming out of the great tribulation. We're all waiting for some great big bad moment to happen. And yeah, there is kind of that. But that's not, he's not talking about the final tribulation. He's talking about people are constantly coming out of this tribulation. It's an ongoing thing. Do you want to know when that's happening? Right now. This is the tribulation. 
where we hear on the news all the things that we do, that we hear. We hear about another attack in Manhattan. We hear about, I think on that same day, I read the news story about a, a teacher who was held hostage for four hours, no, eight hours, by a parent. I mean, and we live in a world where people we know are sick, and as I've been told multiple times, that, that prayer list is long. And that's a lot of people who are struggling through those things. You heard the, the list, the names of the people who have died. This afternoon, we laid to rest Tracy Miller. This is the great tribulation. The people who are coming out of that great tribulation are the names that we just heard. The ones who are robed in white are those people who have died in the faith. That's why it's beyond number. It's beyond count of every race and language. By the way, I want you to know something. English will not be the official language in heaven. In fact, do you know how heaven's going to be when it comes to language? It's going to be like Pentecost. You who speak English, you'll be able to speak to somebody You'll be able to speak English to a Swahili-speaking person, and they're going to fully understand what you said. And that Swahili-speaking person is going to speak to you who knows English, and you will know exactly what they said. Heaven is not the erasing of languages. It's that we're all going to be able to understand every single one of them. Because notice it's from every language. Every nation, every race. What they see is just beyond imagination. And they're there where there is no hunger, no thirst, no scorching heat, or blistering cold, or that icky white stuff that's coming. Or maybe the white stuff will be there and we'll like it, I don't know. But either way, no cold, no heat. That is what is guaranteed for those who are baptized into Christ. We who are sinners, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And by his blood made us white, made us holy, made us his best. But that means, so we're holy. We are saints. The, term, the phrase of the Reformation was simul ustis et peccator. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase. Okay, nobody has. It's Latin for simultaneously just and sinner, or simultaneously saint and sinner. In this world, we struggle with our sinful nature. It's always trying to rear its ugly head, keep trying us to do different things. But we are also saints. We are holy. And that ho word holy simply means set apart. We are set apart from the world for special things. Or, to put it in much more layman terms, it means you are not normal. If anybody has ever heard Gary T. speak over at Mission Central, he loves to say that. He's looking for more and more not normal people. 
And so we are not normal by being chosen by God. And what does that mean? Right now, we have a multitude of people that we can think of that need to hear of the love of Jesus. Because we all are born with that filthy right in righteousness. And the only way to have it removed, to washed away, is by the blood of Jesus. By grace through faith. And how can they believe if nobody has told them? You can think of people who are in this community who either are not believers at all or who have not been in church for literally years. You, not normal people, are the ones who are set apart to tell others about the love of Jesus. To tell them about what Christ has done for them. That he has made, that he has brought forgiveness. That's what you're here for. That's why when you were baptized, you didn't get just zapped up into heaven. You are still here to be a witness of the love of Jesus to others. And the people you can do that for is without beyond measure, beyond number. There are literally billions in this world. Can you think of somebody in your family, friends, co-workers? I'll bet you you have somebody on your mind that you can think of that you wish would come into here would come to faith and would be participate here in God's word. I can think of people in my own life. Missionary Gary has been told by people, he said, you know, I think we need to stop spending so much money on those, those missionaries. You know, we got a lot of non-believers right here in the United States and we need to worry about them. To which... Missionary Gary reacted, first off, is that first, when you say that you're saying of all the people around the world, they could just go to hell. When you refuse to support missionaries around the world, you're saying they could just go to hell. You don't want this every nation and every tribe that is depicted in the Bible. But here's the other thing. Raise your hand if you're a missionary. Man, if missionary Gary came here, he's going to be really... Okay, this is practice for if he ever shows up. If you are a Christian and you live in the United States, raise your hand. That should be everyone. If you're actually in another place, then... Okay, that's interesting. But if you rose your hand, raised your hand, you're a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. That's why we don't need to send all these missionaries to the United States because by my count, we have 900 members in this congregation. That's 900 missionaries to a town of 2,000 people. I think we got plenty. The problem is, is we're missionaries that are not telling people about Jesus. It's like a football player not throwing the football. We are missionaries. 
We are not normal. We are set apart by God to tell of the love of Jesus. So what we're going to do to end here, this right now, is I want you to think about somebody you know. You don't have to say names or anything like that. But think of somebody you know that you could tell about your faith to. So let us uh, pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have set us apart to be not normal people. We have been made holy. We have been, made, we have been forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And so as we are set apart, not normal people in this community, we pray that you'd open our eyes and our mind and our heart to see those who need to hear Jesus' name. We pray that you'd give us the wisdom and the words to speak it. And we pray that you would send people into our lives, open up the opportunities that we may tell them. And we pray that you would lead them to hear and know of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Till the day comes when we are a part of that multitude, to God be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keeping the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand. The doors, the doors, in wisdom let us attend. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the gathering of our offering.